Hello, and welcome to episode 74 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Today's guest is Dr. Stanley Robertson. He's an author, coach, and speaker, and has come to be known as The Quit Doctor because of his relentless determination to heal the world of the stigma and shame associated with the concept of quitting. We talk about why quitting has a bad rap, when to quit and when not to, and how to quit successfully because quitting can be surprisingly difficult. Before we get to the conversation, a quick shout out to David B. for your feedback on episode 71, Respond, Don't React. I know it's not easy to tell someone what you don't like about their podcast, but honestly, the only way I can improve as a host and make the show valuable for all of you who are listening is if you tell me what you like and what you don't. So thank you, David, for your honesty and straightforwardness. Also, a warm welcome to Dean S. and Maggie S. to the Modern Manager community. If you are not yet a member, stay tuned at the end to learn more about the benefits of joining. Now, here's my conversation with Dr. Stan. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Stan. I think you might be the first person that I get to refer to as doctor on this show, or at least I, you know, no one else asked me that before. So this is kind of nice. All right. Well, thank you, Mamie. I'm super excited about being here with you and sharing some thoughts and ideas about how people can be successful quitters. Yeah. Okay. So let's go right into that. I got to tell you, when I first got some information about you, I was like, successful quitting, that is not something that usually goes together. (laughs) So tell me about this. Well, that is true. I think what we've done in this country is the idea of quitting. We've actually turned it into a negative thing. And this notion that winners never quit and quitters never win, I think that is a total myth. It's actually a fallacy and it's, it's actually wrong. So what we've done is we've taken this word, this four letter word, Q-U-I-T, and we've turned it into a negative thing. Now, I say that quitting is actually a necessary ingredient to success. So if you're going to be a successful manager, entrepreneur, if you're going to be in a successful relationship, you have to master the ability to quit. In other words, you've got to you've got to know when to give up things that don't work and re-engage your efforts to things that do. So I couldn't agree with you more, but before we get into how to do that, because that's probably way more complicated than than it sounds, right? But why is it that we're so anti-quit to begin with? I mean, I think about times when I was a kid and my parents would say like, well, you joined this activity and, you know, you can't quit it now. Like, is it just ingrained in us from the time we're babies? Uh, that's a, that is an excellent question. I don't think it's ingrained in us from the time we're babies. I think what we have done as a society is we've actually given a negative connotation to the word. So the thing that prevents us most often from quitting things is the idea that quit is a negative. In other words, if you quit, you are synonymous with a loser. So quitting and loser. If I want to insult you and I call you a quitter, then you you get mad because we've turned the word into a negative thing. Now, what they've done is they've done some studies on this idea of quitting. And, and, and this is another, a second reason. So, so two reasons. 
The first reason why we're very reluctant to quit is because of the, the stigma attached to the idea of quitting. And no one wants to be labeled a, quote, quitter. The second reason that we are very reluctant to quitting is more of a scientific reason. So they did a study. And in this study, it's called the Jigsaw Puzzle Study. In the Jigsaw Puzzle Study, they took two groups of people. The first group, they gave a Jigsaw Puzzle and they said, complete this puzzle. The second group, they gave the same puzzle and they said, complete the puzzle, except they interrupted the second group and would not allow them to complete the puzzle. What they found in the study is that the group who was not allowed to complete the puzzle, they thought about that puzzle twice as much as the group who did finish the puzzle. So in other words, the group who finished the puzzle, they they did it, they completed, they went on about their day, they were happy. The group who did not complete the puzzle, they kept thinking about the fact that they weren't able to complete this puzzle. So the conclusion is that our brains are hardwired for completion. In other words, if you are doing something and you cannot complete the thing that you're doing, our brain wants to finish. Our brain wants to complete it. So this is another thing that prevents us from giving up things that are not working because it doesn't matter. Even if the thing is a disaster, even if you're working a job you hate, if you're in a relationship that is very bad, we are very reluctant to give it up because our brain keeps going back to that thing because we didn't finish. That resonates so much with me on so many levels. Like on the actual jigsaw puzzle thing, I do puzzles every summer with my family and we are up until wee hours of the night trying to finish it because you just, <laughs> you need to. And, and then also, you know, you're the bigger picture concept of, right, when something's on your mind and it's not incomplete and you just keep thinking it over and over and over. And I am definitely guilty of that. So that's the second reason why we are very reluctant to quit. So when you put those two things together, the idea that people I've come up with this new term and I call it quit shaming. You've heard of fat shaming. Well, I come up with this notion of quit shaming. And that is that people will uh, make fun of you. People will disrespect you. People will say negative things about you because you quit something and we should not do that. I fully agree. So let's turn this into a business context. So as a manager, are there things that I should consider quitting? I mean, assuming that I'm not going to quit my job because maybe I'm, I'm happy there, but are there other things in the workplace that people do where they really should consider quitting those things? Sure. One of the things that a manager should do is quit winning too much. Now, that sounds kind of funky, right? But quit winning too much is the idea. The idea is this, is that if you are in a meeting with your team, with the other folk in your group, and you always have to be on top, you always have to come out as the winner. In other words, sometimes the manager should keep his mouth shut and allow the other folk in the room to weigh in on the conversation. That way, other people in the group your team will feel more like they are a part of what's going on. They will be more vested in the organization if they're able to weigh in with their input. A lot of times managers, we have these meetings and we talk, but we're not really trying to find out what the other people in the room think because we want to show how smart and how brilliant we are. So one of the things that managers ought to do is quit winning too much. You don't always have to be the one on top. I see that all the time in meetings. And that made me also think about even quitting the need to win on your projects, right? That we want to do well, which means we don't 
give room for turning off a project that's not working. That is a huge problem. So that, that's another thing that managers ought to do. Managers ought to quit clinging to the past. We're all familiar with the Ringling Brothers Circus. Ringling Brothers had been in business for 146 years. They just went out of business last year. The reason they went out of business is Ringling Brothers, they use animals in the uh, circus. And the animal rights activists had sued Ringling Brothers because they said that they had been mistreating and abusing animals, and in particular, the elephants. Ringling Brothers could not give up the use of animals in the circus. As a result, they were tied up in court for 14 years. It cost them $26 million. Eventually, they were forced out of business because they would not quit using animals. And I'm afraid that the reason is that in their mind, as a matter of fact, they asked them when they interviewed the owners and the managers of the circus, they said, what happened and what was the problem? Ringling Brothers said, we could not stop using animals because animals are so integral to the circus. Now, we know that that is not true because we know that places like Cirque du Soleil are wildly successful and they never use animals. They use humans, acrobatics and other types of acts in the circus. So Ringling Brothers, because of the fact that they could not quit using animals, force them out of business. So one of the things that managers ought to do is quit clinging to the past. Just because animals were the center of the circus in the past does not mean that's the case today. All right. So we talked a little bit about what you should quit. I'm sure there are many more things that if we all do our little reflection, we can figure out what those are. Mm -hmm. But are there things that we shouldn't quit? Or how do we know the difference between something that it's, we should say, yep, I did some reflection and it's time for me to let go of this. And things say, eh, I really should hold on to that. Okay. So the times when, let's go with the times when you should not quit first. The, the times when you should not quit, you should not quit something just because, for example, you feel underappreciated. Let's say you, you threw out an idea to your team and it, that idea was rejected. And, and obviously this happens quite often, but no, they did not accept your idea. You should not quit just because the idea uh, was not accepted or that you feel underappreciated in your group. That is not the time to quit. What you ought to do in that instance is continue coming up with good creative ideas that add value to the organization. If you're able to do that, eventually someone will recognize your contributions and your contributions will make a big difference. Another time when you should not quit, you should not quit just because something is hard work. Now, a lot of times we do something and we feel like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making any progress. This is too difficult. But that is not the time to quit. In fact, that builds character. It builds your competence level. So you shouldn't quit just because the thing is hard work. Another time you should not quit. You should not quit just because you you covet your coworker's career. Let's say you're working with someone and you're looking at them and you think that, well, this person is my manager, but I know more than them. I'm smarter than them. You should not quit a project or a job or anything just because you're looking at what someone else is doing or, or where someone else is in the organization. So anyway, those are examples of reasons and times when you should not quit. 
On the other hand, there are also times when you should quit or consider giving up something. One of the main reasons that you ought to consider quitting the thing is if there is no future in the thing. Now, whether that's your job, whether that's a project, that you're working on, whether it's a project that that you're creating and it's an idea, whatever it is, if there's no future in the thing, that is the time when you ought to quit. A lot of companies have sunk and went under because the leaders, the managers have not recognized there's no future in this technology, in this product, in this organization itself. So no future, that's a good time. Also, you should consider quitting if what you're doing is not bringing any better results. So that means that if you're working on something and everything is going properly with the with the project or, or whatever it is that you're doing, but you are not getting any ROI. Well, that's a good time when you should think about giving up that particular thing and switching to something else. Another time when you may quit is if your priorities have changed, whether it's you personally as an individual, you as a manager, the organization's priorities, if your priorities change, that's a good time when you should consider quitting. Obviously, there's a a list of things, but those are some of the few. Yeah, those all make a lot of sense. And I'm like listening and going in the back of my mind, I'm running through all of the things that I do that I'm like, hmm, is that still a good thing to do? Is that still a good thing to do? So if I actually wanted to to do that kind of process and, and think about, all right, what are the things that I'm doing? And you know, should I quit them or not using some of the criteria just outlined around, you know, do I want to quit because it's hard or do I want to quit because I'm, you know, frustrated by a coworker who's who's doing something or do I want to quit because there's no future or I'm not getting the return I expect? What questions should I be asking myself? Is there a process to help me go through to figure out some of those answers? Yeah. Okay. So that kind of brings up two things. Uh, one of the things is um, I have developed this four-step process, but uh, the four-step process is some something that you ought to go through. And then there's other things that you ought to do in terms of success. If you want to be successful, there are some things that you ought to do as an individual, as a manager. So, in, and we can talk about either one of those, maybe some of the things that you ought to do or the four-step process, which is an overall process on how to quit things and still be successful as a result. All right. Let's start with the four-step process and see how much time we have for the others. Sure. So the four-step process, I've I've read every book that I could find on the subject of quitting. And I have also read every study that I could get my hands on and um, and every theory. And what I've done is I've developed this four-step process, which is it boils down all of that information into four simple steps. And I use the word quit as an acronym. So Q-U-I-T to describe the four steps. The first step, which is the Q, it stands for quit quickly, quit quickly. And by quitting quickly, that means that you as a manager, as a leader, should recognize when something is not working as fast as you can. As soon as you understand, as soon as you recognize that thing is no longer viable, you should consider giving it up immediately. The most successful people and the most successful organizations recognize when things are not working, they quit fast and they quit often. In other words, they're not lingering on something that is not productive. Uh, so that's the cue. <laughs> that little nugget right there is so powerful. I know so many people that I coach will have an employee on their team who 
is just not working. It's not working out. It's not working out no matter what they seem to do. And they don't want to just let this person go. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have emotional baggage when it comes to hiring and firing. But the idea that, you know, you got to just move quickly when you know it's not working, you've tried everything you can, it's just not happening. Like you just got to, you got to quit it, right? You got to jump and do it quickly. Yeah, you've got to. And I I think that that's one of the biggest problems that we face is eventually you will quit. If, If something is not working, eventually you are going to quit because you're going to be forced to quit. You're going to run out of resources. You're going to run out of time. You're going to run into other walls. So eventually you're going to quit. The idea is to recognize that it's not working and make a purposeful decision to quit instead of being forced to quit. If you make a purposeful decision, then you can reestablish your efforts. You can switch gears on purpose instead of being forced to do it, because then that becomes a disaster. But the most successful people understand that and they do not hesitate to quit things that are not working for them. All right. What about the next letter? The next letter is the U. U is to understand the negative emotions. So one of the things which we we talked about this a little bit already, that one of the things that prevent us from quitting is the negative stigma, the emotional baggage attached to the idea of quitting. In other words, we recognize many times that something is not working, but we won't give it up because we don't want to be looked at as a loser. Just I don't know, last week, Magic Johnson, he was the president of the Los Angeles Lakers and Magic Johnson just quit being the president. He, they interviewed him and asked him, you know, why did you quit? You, you're a black man. The uh, NBA does not have black leaders in in those organizations. They don't have black presidents and leaders of the teams. You should have you should not have quit. He said, well, I did it because I wasn't winning and I was no longer happy doing that job. Now, most people would never give up the job as the president of the Los Angeles Lakers. But he understood and Magic Johnson is very successful and he recognized that. If it is not working, stop doing it and refocus your efforts. So that's the you understand that these negative emotions happen and people will quit shame you. People will try to talk you out of it. People will have their opinions about you. People will may look at you as a failure and so forth. But if you understand that and push through it, then you're going to be better able to to manage those times when you need to give things up. And that was a great example that you just gave on a really macro scale. I mean, that's, that's, that's got to be, a, you know, I'm imagining all people going like, you're crazy for giving that job up. <laughs> right. All right. And then I'm thinking about like on a really micro level, right, that it might be something as simple as like admitting that you were wrong, right, that you started this path and you were like, eh, it's not working for me. And I have to be vulnerable with my team to say that we're going to stop doing this thing that I said we were going to do. and. You know, I know they're all going to maybe they're not going to think I'm a quitter, but they're going to think that I, you know, made bad decisions for us or I led us down the wrong path or something else. So just understanding all of that potential negative emotion you might feel or perceive from others. Yeah, that is true. And before we go to the next uh, step, number three, um, one thing that I would point out in relation to what you just said, this is a fallacy. And in business, you'll you'll see this a lot that when people are doing something, if you're doing Say, for example, thing A, you cannot at the same time be doing thing B. 
In other words, you can't be doing two things at at one time. So if you're going to do something, and, and this is referred to as the opportunity cost. So there is an opportunity cost associated with doing anything that that you're doing. And a lot of times people are reluctant to quit something or to give up something because of this idea that if you give up the first thing, then you you can't do the second thing or there's somehow there's something in your brain that says, I don't want to give this thing up because I'm going to be losing. But we know that if you don't give up the first thing, you can never move on to the second thing. So the opportunity to cost of doing the second thing is to give up the first thing. Awesome. All right. Let's keep going. So that's Q. Quit quickly. You is understand the negative emotions. I is to initiate a new behavior. When you are going to quit something, you're not going to be successful if you just quit the thing. Well, let's go back to the Ringling Brothers example. They should have quit using animals because it was it was no longer viable for the circus to use the animals in, in their acts. But they should not have just stopped. They should have initiated something else. Again, like Cirque du Soleil or some of the other more acrobatic acts. That's what they should have incorporated. And we've seen this over and over with things like block. I don't know if you remember, you may be too young for blockbuster video, but back when blockbuster video was very powerful organization and they were using the VHS and, 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 and the, the videotapes. Well, we know that that's long gone. Well, if they had quit using the videotapes, they should have recognized Stop doing it. This is not the future of technology. And once they stop, they should have then initiated something new like DVD or streaming, for example, for their movies. So the eye is to initiate a new behavior, because once you give up the thing that that's not working for you, you have to replace it. You have to be innovative and come up with something else that's going to replace the thing that you just gave up. So that's the eye. Initiate a new behavior. It's funny because as you're saying that, I can't help but think about my children and how whenever I want them to stop doing something, the the best form to get them to stop is often to like give them something else to do, right? Like when you're, when you have to give something up and you feel that sense of loss, right? Replace it with something else that is working and that feels better and has a brighter future makes so much sense. Well, yeah, and and that does not only work for your children. It works for adults as well, because if you are a manager, if you are a a staff employee in an organization, if you come to your manager or or the owner or whoever um, you report to and you are presenting something and you say to that person, this is not working, we should stop doing this. Well, what's the first thing they're going to ask you? Okay, what's your solution? You brought me a problem. Now, now what, what's your solution? Give me something. Don't just bring me a problem. So initiating a new behavior just says that once you determine that you need to abandon a particular course of action, then you need to put some brain power to figuring out what it is that you need to replace that with. Because you're right, that's going to make that go over much better with the manager or whoever you present the ideas to. Awesome. All right. Final letter, T. T. So the T is to transform your behavior. Uh, So after you have made the decision to quit something, you push through those negative emotions and then you've initiated those new 
goals, you've come up with something to replace the thing that you've you've given up, you then need to transform your behavior because you cannot continue doing the same thing that you were doing prior to the new activity. So in other words, if you're going to do something different, you have to create some different mindsets. You may have to learn a new skill. You may have to enlist some new uh, some new uh, team members or whatever you need to do. But the bottom line is you have to change your behavior from what you were doing before, because it, is, it should be fairly obvious that whatever you were doing before wasn't getting you where you want to be. So you do have to adjust your behavior after you give up the thing and pick up the, the new activity. This makes me think about some of the habit change work where, you know, you try to kind of build a new process around whatever change it is so that it's kind of embedded into your new ways of working. Or if you're going to stop, you know, having monthly meetings with your team and you're going to instead start having weekly standups, but then there's like a whole other process that has to go around that of how are you going to prepare for them and how are you going to connect with people and you know, what are the new things you need? So you're, what you're saying to me makes perfect sense that you both need to have the solution of the new behavior you're going to bring in, but then the whole transformation around that to make sure that it sticks and that it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is true. And, and I think that these four steps can apply to any person in any organization and not just in your business life, but also in your personal life as well. Oh, I'm sure. This seems like smart, smart thinking that can apply to many things that we have, that we do every day and how we spend our time. So as we wrap up, though, let's talk about an amazing manager that you had the privilege of working with and for and what made this person so wonderful in your life. One of the best managers I've ever worked for, is, I actually work for right now. I work at a church. It's uh, one of the mega churches on the south side of Chicago. And, you know, when I say church, you may think that, oh, you know, I'm saying that he was he was a great manager because of his compassion, you know, and, and so forth, But which I'm not talking about that. The thing that makes him a great manager and a great leader is that he recognizes that you should not lead based on the amount of time someone puts in. So in in other words, one of the things that managers should quit doing, they should quit tracking people based on their time. Instead, they ought to be looking at results. And that's what makes him so great is that he looks at results instead of time. So he's not going to sweat you about, you know, what time you came in or left. He's more concerned with what was the result of your efforts during that day. So there's another study and they looked at the top 10 things that employees value in an organization and money, for example, was way down the list at number seven. So what they found is that people, employees are more concerned about uh, their quality of life. They're more concerned about being able to have peace of mind and some other things. And money was was very low on the list, number seven. So all the other six things that happened prior to that, that's what makes my current manager so great is that he recognizes that. And what he does is he allows people 
to grow. He allows people to be able to bring forth their ideas, to make suggestions and to have a good quality of life without being on their case about punching the clock. Oh, I'm thinking about all of those people who are micromanagers who need to quit doing that right now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Give it up. All right. So where can people learn more about you, Dr. Stan, and the work that you do and keep up with all your good stuff? Yeah. So my my book is called Quit, The Last Principle of Success. It can be picked up on Amazon or any other online bookseller. But they can also find out about me at my website, which is thequitdoctor.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm sorry that we have to quit this episode now, but uh, it's been a pleasure. (laughs) Well, maybe you've been wonderful. I appreciate you inviting me on. If you want to learn more, you should check out Dr. Stan's book called Quit, The Last Principle of Success. And if you are a member of the Modern Manager community, then you can get a discount on that book. To join, go to mamieks.com slash join. And when you do, you get access to dozens of episode guides and prior guest bonuses. And there is some really good stuff in there. And if you work for a nonprofit or government agency, email me and I will send you a discount for 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox if you subscribe to my newsletter, which you can do at mamieks.com slash podcast. Lastly, I want to give a shout out to prior guest Rick Kylie of episode 20. Rick recently launched his own podcast, The Green Repeal, about the growing cannabis industry in the United States. The first few episodes are focused on how the cannabis industry ended up where it is today, and it's like a whole history lesson exploring America's past. I didn't know what to expect when I started listening, but it was fascinating. So check out The Green Repeal on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.